Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. doing daniel ruiz dyson is available for monday the 16th of may 2022 with me daniel ruiz tyson episode 391 the long road towards episode 400 at last draw into its denouement i can see it it's in sight spotted looking forward to getting that out of the way crossing that off the list hope you're all healthy and doing what you need to be uh, whatever the line is Doing what you need to be doing to keep yourself going. There it is. It is 10.21 hours. Monday morning would have been an earlier record, but I've been on hold for 53 minutes with housing management. Finally spoke to them and uh, regarding this whole issue uh, with the rodents, which I think is likely to become even more complicated because the flat next to me has been empty, as you know, for nearly a couple of years now since my old neighbour went into a care home and I was able to stop buying whatever it was was it okay magazine i think and uh, the right wing the daily right wing and the um right wing on sunday so the neighbor downstairs now uh, the young guy who uh, has just got so much money he was getting things delivered every day parking his flash white mini outside the property to uh, girlfriend uh Everything going to plan for this guy's on track, mid-twenties, so much money. He's left now, so it looks like he's had enough. I don't blame him, given, you know, all the interruptions over that. He's not even been here for a couple of years, and he's had to deal with two lots of scaffolding, uh, windows being put in during the pandemic era, and, and became aware very quickly of just how bad an experience it can be living here and, uh, you know, the, the, the state of disrepair in the building as a whole. So I've been told I've got to wait for Pest Control's final appointment this Friday before I can escalate it. I didn't really want to wait that long. I just want to know that the cavities are going to be filled. If you listen to episode 390, I've been filling in cavities in the communal hallways just as a temporary block. That's uh, why I will run out of that. Need to get some more. But, uh, you know, it's no fun spending your money on them. Um, uh, mouse traps and wire wool and all this kind of stuff. Siblings' uh, birthday as well, and uh, I've not been able to give them as much as I'd hoped to give them because it's been going on the mouse traps. There you go. And my uh, eyes, the skin around my eyes, continues to sting, which I think might be a hard water issue in this place uh, since the water tank was fixed. I mean, what is not being fixed? In the property, all the thing there are things that need to be fixed that still haven't been fixed are unlikely to be fixed. But also, to be fair, there are things that have needed to be fixed for a long time, which are starting to be fixed, but just not enough. It's 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 that kind of uh, place, and I've just got to make sure it doesn't really put me under. You know, I'm tired, very tired, just not really sleeping well. 
still stuffing pillows by the gaps in the bedroom door. I mean, it's not going to do nothing. It's 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 like uh, sending El Cid out on the horse it's, uh, when he's dead to face the Moors or the Spanish, whoever it was. He kept swapping sides. I can't be sure. You can uh, you can find that information out yourself. I think if that's all right with you. Stuffing these pillows. I just need to do something. I need to know that uh, I'm doing something. There is a big gap as well under the front door, which I need to probably address. Uh, neighbor recommended something. I've spoken about this already, and I've got to work out how to uh, fix it on bleaching the floors most nights. I come back from gigs just full of trepidation as to what I'm going to find. I'm having to leave lights on. Don't want that moment where I'm being startled by some shadowy figure that's speeding across a room. I don't want that moment again, but obviously this will bump up, leaving a few lights on will bump up the uh, the bills. So it's a, it's a catch-22 situation. So I've spoken to this, uh, yeah, this uh, housing management uh, girl today. No reference number for this. I think they're trying to move this on to pest control's responsibility. Pest control is saying it's not their responsibility. But the point is, with two empty flats in the building now, it's going to become even more complicated to try and resolve this. And there is no food in this flat. And you think, you know, guys, rodent family, guys, you you know this. You're aware of this. Why, why are you coming back into the flat? Do you have no idea what you're doing to me? You're not meant to be here. I mean, I'm not meant to be here, but you're not meant to be here. You're certainly not meant to be here. You know, don't make me get a cat. I don't like cats. I wouldn't have a clue what to do with the cat. You know, it would be jumping everywhere. There'd be... F- you know, cat hair everywhere. There'd be cat hair in the food. There is a vets across the road. Uh, but, you know, I've no doubt that uh, keeping a, a pet is going to be e- expensive. I don't want to go down that route. I just want to try and get out of this place in one piece. Saturday, FA Cup final day. Anticlimax, both in terms of, you know, Liverpool winning again on penalties. I don't think any... English club has won more finals on penalties. It wasn't always the way. It started around 84 in the European Cup final against uh, Roma, and it's just it's just escalated since then. I don't think it happened in the 90s, though. They got to the 92 FA Cup final on penalties and the semis. They beat Portsmouth in a replay. Very lucky to get past Portsmouth. That was when the uh, evidence of Liverpool's decline under Graham Souness, well, I mean, it started under the uh, dog leash years, the last couple of years, but under Souness, it was more pronounced as the players started to slip uh, onto, you know, to the wrong side of 30. There was the 2001 League Cup win over Birmingham, second division Birmingham on penalties. There was 2005, of course, against Milan, 2006, the FA Cup against West Ham. You've had the European Super Cup, which a lot of people won't count against Chelsea, 2019. You've had the League Cup, FA Cup this year. I think there's been other games where they've um, they've won on penalties. It's just a horrible way to win a trophy. Having said that, had Chelsea won, it would have been on penalties too. But I, I just don't like it. I think you need to lay down a marker when we remember the great cup finals of years gone by. It wasn't because they were won on penalties. You know, we remember the match winners. We remember whether the games went to replays or whatever. We remember the dramatic moments. So, yeah, disappointing. I mean, I, as, I, as I keep saying, I, I'd rather they just win the league. I'd be happy with that just to tie them with United. I think I'm more motivated by being tied with United on titles and then getting past them whilst we still can. Look at me, we, he said, Southern supporting Glory Hunter, albeit since the age of four. 
yeah, at some point United are going to start working again. Things are going to start clicking for them. Not for a while yet, but at some point, you know, title number 41 is going to... Uh, 21, it's not Scotland, 41. Title number 21 is going to, you know, be on its way. I'd like Liverpool to be ahead of them uh, by then. I saw a piece today in um, on one football site that this Liverpool team the chances are it's not going to win as many titles as it should have done because of Manchester City. And yeah, I think that that's true. I think this team is in danger of underachieving, even if they win the trip, uh, the, the treble, triplet, the treble this, uh, this season, the big one will have slipped by again. The title Manchester City will have won four of the last Premier League titles. It's going to be reminiscent really of Leeds, I think, under Don Revy, albeit without the discipline issues, as I, as I tweeted this morning. This is going to be a team that maybe just came up short domestically. Also, you could look at Arsenal under Arsene Wenger, the early years of Arsenal under, under Wenger. I was actually surprised that he lasted from 98 to 2002. It is forgotten. He didn't win anything for four years after winning the double in his first full season. But I think, uh, I'm, I'm guessing they could see that the, a team was being built and uh, I always thought 98 was a stronger team than 2004. I know most people will disagree with me, but the run the, two, the, uh, the 98 team went on was, was, you know, impressed me more. And I think it was a, a tougher team. And I also think 2002, who went on, a I think, a 30-game unbeaten run before that was ended by the young Wayne Rooney at Goodison Park. I thought that was also a better team than 2004. And, you know, the whole thing about the Invincibles, I've said it before, they lost four games in the Champions League that season. Nothing invincible about them outside the league. And they drew a lot of games as well that season in the league. One of the few games I've agreed with Ferguson on, he criticised them that year for the amount of games they drew. Their, their points tally wasn't as high as it should have been for a team that was, you know, fated all across the land. But, uh, yeah, I think this Liverpool team has got to win it's got to win more Premier Leagues under under Klopp because this is the strongest squad it's ever had. And if you look at the late 80s side under Barnes, uh, under Dalglish, Barnes, Beardsley, Aldridge, that side only won two league titles. And I always thought, uh, certainly for John Barnes and Peter Beardsley, who were wonderful players, they should have won the number of titles that, that were normally won by stalwarts of the Liverpool era, you know, six, seven, eight titles. But they'd come into a team which... You know, the first year aside, 87, 88, you could clearly see that the youngsters that were coming into the team, they weren't at the level of old, even though they were a team that historically never brought in many players from the youth uh, youth setup during their uh, strong years in the 70s and 80s. But looking back, yeah, Barnes, Beardsley, they didn't win any, anywhere near as much as they should have at Liverpool. And I think it could be the case with uh, these guys too if they don't sort themselves out uh, domestically. So I watched the final at my friends in Morden Hard Swallow 10.31 hours. A bit of a non-event game. We watched it in the garden on a, on a projector. It was so warm out there. And then back towards the actual house, you know, midway, uh, halfway across the garden, it was much cooler there, but uh, the summer house was uh, just, the sun was hitting it, and uh, I wish I'd got some sun cream on. I need to buy some, actually. But, uh, yeah, the iPlayer is always going to be a problem, isn't it? For example, in the World Cup, uh, I learnt not to watch. If you didn't want to know the results, certainly the England games, you'd hear people cheering if they weren't watching it on the iPlayer. 
the cheering, you'd hear it about two minutes beforehand and it would spoil the game. I don't know how the BBC would fix that. How are they ever going to be able to fix the iPlayer, the, the, the football, so that it's uh, streaming live at, you know, at the exact same moment as it would be on TV? That's always going to be a problem. For me, once I was on my own and I was watching any games on the iPlayer um, international tournaments, I'd just put earphones in to try and block out the uh, external uh, noise from people watching it elsewhere. That never used to happen. The first time I actually heard the cheering, and I'm not saying it's a negative, certainly as a kid when I was very uh, patriotic, very pro-England, you know, the England football team. And uh, let's not forget that my alter ego in Kidcop uh, Daniel Smith had the uh, English surname that I always craved. But the first time I heard cheering like that was when David Platt scored that dramatic last second winner in extra time in the last 16 in Italy, Italian 90. That has to be, I think, the most dramatic moment for of, of any England game. I, I, I think if you were around at that time you will remember just how big a moment that was. That was the first time I heard cheering. That was from across the road on Mayflower Road. And I remember my sister enjoying that. And every, I think every game after that, she would mute the TV when England scored, you know, when they put the penalties uh, into the back of the net against Cameroon. Uh, she would mute the TV. My dad would get annoyed by that. But uh, yeah, 32 years ago now, a different life. A different life, a different uh, world. The only thing linking the two, actually, is the mice, because uh, we had a mouse at Mayflower in February 1990, and I moved out for a day. I thought, I can't live. In the words of the great Frank Costanza, cannot tolerate infestation. But here I am now at this age, having to stick it out, having to ride it out, walking around in my slippers like an old man, wishing I could hover and just float above any mouse appearances as and when they happen. There was a nutter, a proper nutter on the on the bus on the way back uh, from more than a single decker. And uh, again, I, I do think it's, I'll swallow 10.34. I think it's probably the, uh, you know, the pills. They just remove the anxieties. They don't actually make you more disposed towards a, a sunnier disposition, but they do remove the anxiety. And I was just thinking, you know, and I'd had a decent day. I'd done the right thing, get out, keep busy, seen friends. You know, that contact was nourishing. Saw my two of my friends' kids were there and I get on with them. I enjoy seeing their, you know, young personalities coming through and engaging with them and, you know, very comfortable around them. And then I'm coming back on on the bus and there's this nutter and you know pre-medication you know would have been a bit wary of that on medication it just irritates the hell out of me and I think you know I thought at some point if this guy is going to sit next to me and start you know he's he's going to get it you know regardless of what might happen the other way back it's not to say I think I'm Mr. Hard far from it I'm self-aware I know that these things could end up very badly but what I'm saying is I don't feel those nerves what I feel is just pure irritation that there are people out like that. In in the cases of that guy who was clearly unwell, you think, where in the system, what part of the system is broken that this guy is able to go out on a Saturday night and be as disruptive as he is on the bus and as antisocial as he was behaving on the bus? You know, why has this guy not had the help or why is he not getting the help 
that he needs. Let me just see if I can knock the volume up here just slightly. Something I've noticed the last few weeks, you know, I've been trying to, it's not been a, a thing that I've actively sought to do, but sometimes, you know, just for ease of convenience, such as with uh, one of the neighbors who didn't have my number, I gave him my number. He still hasn't given me his. Had another thing with a, with another guy where I gave him my number. They said they'd give me theirs. It didn't come this way. There've been one or two where I have been able to swap numbers. You know, I'm not a big, one for talking on the phone though as a kid of course you know how obsessed I was with phones with landlines you know for me it was it was bigger than having a VHS recorder it was bigger than having my own room it was bigger than having a family car it was having a house phone I've always found that way of communication fascinating anything that's related to audio you know radio phones I just think they're absolutely magical of course these days you know just yeah, we live in an age where we've had our nerves shattered many of us who remember the old world by you know these instant messages and you know you can get contacted in any way and uh, I try to just keep the phone uh, away from me at times I think it's got my phone use is probably of concern now simply because of having to set up that Facebook page to get gigs and I get excited looking at that page to see when the booking forms come up and when I get a gig, if it's going to be a gig I haven't done before, is this something that's going to make the circuit a bit easier for me? Is it going to be a gig that progresses me? But it just means more time uh, on the on the phone screen usually because I'm doing that, you know, you know when I'm traveling. And, uh, you know, it's unhealthy, you know, so I try to keep the apps uh, limited as well on the phone. I don't want to go down that route. I've done really well over the years, but at the moment I think I just need to... Uh, rein it in but yeah i've always thought that young people are too ready to exchange numbers these days i've always thought friendships should be built there should be no rush to build a friendship you should get to know each other gradually you know give you give that relationship the space to grow but these days everything is instant and i remember last year playing football and uh, myself and the veterans that I've been playing with for 20 years uh, take away nine years for the uh, fractured foot where I couldn't play but you know I've known those guys for 20 years and uh, we played these uh, young guys who must have been in their early 20s and uh, typically of when when you play young teams these days, the one thing I've said this before, one thing I noticed about playing younger teams is they had all the talent in the world. They could perform tricks that my generation couldn't. They've got access to all these clips on YouTube. They can just, you know, imitate these tricks, learn them, and they do them brilliantly. But at some point, it stops going their way on the pitch. They always start arguing against each other. And the same happened with this particular team. But we arranged to play them the following week. And one of my friends said, uh, well, you exchange numbers with this guy. So I had to exchange numbers with a guy who wasn't even out of his teens. And I'm thinking, you know, I've only got one phone. This is my number. You know, I'm, I'm you know, years older than this guy. I'm not comfortable with this. But in terms of the comedy thing, I'm trying to... You know, I've had less of a problem in terms of giving out my 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 number to people, sometimes to promoters, sometimes to other comics I've met who, you know, uh, are decent people, and I'm looking forward to watching their careers grow. But in other in other 
situations. I've just not had the number come back. You know, the neighbor hasn't given me uh, his number because I just felt this is a very sort of fluid situation, this rodent situation. We're both trying to fix this problem at the moment. We're the only ones in the building who are trying to do this. Maybe it wasn't that I wanted his number. It's that I felt given, I mean, I think he has a, as big a problem with rodents as I do, not, not just in terms of the problem itself in the flat, but just in terms of he's not an animal guy either. So, you know, starting off with rodents doesn't really thrill him and I just thought it might be the neighborly thing to do but he hasn't come back to me with his number and it just feels maybe I've put him in a in a corner and then you know another situation where I was told yeah I'll give you my number after I gave my number I didn't get the number now you know it's 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 not a big deal but I'm just thinking retrospectively was I just forward in giving my number should I not have given my number is that not the done thing so it was uh it's it's a uh, it's a difficult one because I've always felt my way is right. Just just wait for that friendship. If there is a friendship there, wait for it to grow. There's no rush. There's always a time and a place for exchanging phone numbers. But I felt these were situations, you know, one involved I was having to meet this guy on a particular night uh, for a gig. And I uh, just thought it would be easier for him. But it seems that people prefer to do things just on messengers, uh, instant messengers this year. So, you know, I try to adapt I try to adapt when I can, you know, same with the slim fit jeans back in 2011. You just, I wasn't thrilled at the prospect of leaving bootcut jeans behind, but, uh, you know, I made that move and uh, I never looked back. The world is changing. You have to move on with it. Otherwise, you're just uh, an old man, which uh, I kind of am anyway. Uh, gigs, actually, uh, again, at last night's gig, problems disposing of uh, my second banana. No bins internally or externally at the venue. So, I, you know, I had to ask the barmaid and I said, do you have a bin? She said, again, they do that thing. Give me your rubbish. I'll put it in the bin. You know, this is the COVID age. Why do you want to take uh, have that unnecessary physical contact with me? I said, I can't do that. I showed her the banana skin again. It's a messy fruit, the banana skin. Once that peel is empty, it's a messy fruit. You've got all the stringy bits as well, which I always remove. Otherwise, they make me gag. So she tore off a big roll of blue tissue, you know, that industrial type tissue. And I just put the peel in her hand in the, into the tissue and then she just uh, binned it for me. Uh, last week's gigs, well, I covered that on episode 391, didn't I? But I've actually been trying to work out hard swallow 1042 what I'm going to do with my day to day how I was, I was uh, going to structure it I was going to go for a run after this but I think what I'm going to do is get to the cafe then I have an appointment in the afternoon mid afternoon which messes up my day and so I'm going to risk the cafe at the lunchtime hour try and get there before 1300 hours it can be very busy then so there's no guarantee I'll get a table it'll mean another early lunch I've been having early lunches early dinners last night shouldn't have had the early dinner before a gig also I'm not a big fish fan as I told you but you know I'm trying to read up on nutrition and they keep mentioning the fish I won't have the fish before the uh, before any gigs though because as I was wearing my mask on the bus this is after brushing my teeth and flossing on my way to the gig you know I could smell a bit of fish and I thought this is so unfortunate and you know unlucky for me because I'm not a big fish guy I've had fish maybe twice now in about five years and here I am, bad decision going to a gig. You know, I always avoid things like garlic and onions, particularly garlic. But, you know, I think I'll have to bracket the fish with it. 
Uh, so yeah, last night's gig, I was I was looking forward to it. Uh, it was just uh, it was empty again, and uh, you know that's not the fault of the promoters. One of the acts who was really good that I saw. This American woman again. It was just there was barely anyone there, so it was largely a, an audience of comics. So you're not really going to get much in the way of laughter. And she just said she thinks that one of the reasons why venues are struggling right now is people just don't have any money. And I think there's something in that. Of course, then I can go back to last week's uh, gigs in uh, Hearn Hill and uh, the second gig in Borough. I was in Borough again last night, but the gig in Borough on the Friday. Uh, two Fridays ago where there were anything from 80 to 100 people in there. You know, they got them in. And yes, it was a plus one night, but we had, I think, 12 acts. So each act, say, if it had a bringer, that's just 24 people. So there's still a lot more people who've come in. But a lot of people, I think, uh, you know, live comedy, it's just, uh, it's not being supported. And I think, you know, there's only so much you can change of your personality at some particular point. Yeah, I'm aware that when I'm on stage, I'm performing. So you've got to be bigger than you are, and I'm fine with that. But, you know, when I'm doing a gig where it's just largely comedians and there's barely any audience in there, then I think it becomes very difficult for me because we're not really talking about what I can do as a performer. We're talking about this thing I've been carrying all my life, the shyness. It kicks in. It feels, it begins to feel very awkward. You know, I think my eye contact was better last night given it was, a, you know, there was barely anyone there. You know, it was something that I was working on, but I was still uncomfortable. Uh, you know, I was still uncomfortable. I still felt like I was going through the motions. And it's not that I'm a big shot who feels that they should be doing, you know, big nights. Is that I know my limitations. I know how socially uncomfortable I can be, and I know that in these instances, it's going to be my an entire life of just being shy and awkward is is going to come up on the stage, and uh, I'm going to have to fight it. Whereas with the big gigs, you can't really see people's faces usually, and for me, it's always sink or swim, and I've always responded to that in my life. When my back's against the wall, you've got to come out fighting, and I just feel so invigorated at these big gigs, and particularly if I'm following on from a big act, as I had to do at the Borough gig two Fridays ago, this uh, this uh, woman, uh, she was, I think, from East London. She Her personality was so big, the way she commanded the stage and just went at it with the audience that I mean I was ready to do my spot anyway so regardless of who was on there before me it wasn't going to be a problem I felt confident I, I had faith in my material I know that my material is strong in the right setting if there's energy in a room my set works if I'm in a quiet room given the nature of some of my material it's not going to land that's the problem I have but uh, to follow this girl uh, 10 days ago it was really good for me Really good. It just, uh, I knew I couldn't fail after that. It was as if she'd really, uh, it'd be arrogant to say she'd warmed them up. She, she, she was very, very good. Uh, she had, it was nothing about warming them up for me, but I think I showed that I belonged on the same bill as her. And uh, that's what I do sometimes. I look at the um, posters, the flyers, and I see the acts and I try to see if I've uh, performed with them before. And if I have, I think, well, was I? as good as them? Was I better than them? Did I hold my own with them? And the answer is usually yes, but often because I still don't know enough people, I'm not getting those gigs or I've lost them because I've not been able to get uh, 
a plus one. And as I was saying last week, because I now know the circuit at this level well enough, I'm now just walking away from certain gigs. There's certain gigs I'm not going to do again. So at the moment, I've got uh, six free nights. That's six nights I could be saving money. And also last night, I had to turn down a, a paid gig in South London. The money wasn't great, but that wasn't the reason I turned it down. It was a 15-minute spot. I don't think I'm far off being ready for 15 minutes. It would have been difficult to do it this Thursday for two reasons. First of all, I would need a few more weeks to get to 15, but I've got the material. I mean, I've got so much material, it's not a problem, but I need to rehearse stuff and see where it works, how it fits in with the existing 10. Um, but I couldn't do it because I've got to be someone's plus one on Thursday in Clapham and that's not a problem because they did it for me. It's a problem in that it's something I didn't want to get into, but they did me a good turn. I'm not going to blow them out just, uh, you know, for the sake of uh, a paid gig, which I may not be right for anyway. Never mind the fact it's paid. Uh, the guy said, uh, you know, it's a, a lot of, it's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, pissed up students and locals and so the emphasis is on vulgar material. I'm not a vulgar guy. If they want someone vulgar, you know, I like to think I'm cerebral. Uh, you know, that sounds arrogant, but I, I think my material is more on that level. I'm not a vulgar guy. If they want that, maybe I can send them my aunt and someone can translate on stage. She's as vulgar as they get. But if the guy comes back to me with alternative dates, I'll just have to say to him, you know, just to pick you up on that vulgar thing, uh, that's not going to be me. I'm not going to take a gig where I might not be the right fit for that venue. That's that's not a problem, particularly, you know, I'm not the money is, you know, neither here nor there. It's not good money. It's it's nice to be paid and, you know, mentally it's uh it's important to be paid for everything you do. But uh, that's that's the nature of the world now in, you know, the gig economy twenty twenty two. Who who does get paid? Which creators do, you know, get paid all the time at this level? So uh, I'll see if he comes back to me. And, you know, so I'm trying to walk away from uh, the gigs, you know, that, that, that are constantly empty or, you know, just filled up by people having plus ones uh, because I'm not learning anything from those venues. And I know that my performances are not going to be brilliant. And, you know, when I, when I find myself at these nights, I'm often thinking... If I had a life, I mean, even on the good nights, if I had a life, if I was happy in life, of course I wouldn't be doing stand-up, but that's where I am now. So, And to be fair, the good nights, the ones that are really packed and I'm doing well there, you know, then I enjoy it. It becomes worth it. When it's uh, an empty night, I kind of think, well, I could have been at home, could have been resting, you know, could have been reading rather than putting myself uh, through this. But that's the nature of things at this level and I've just got to try and make sure that I... Uh, don't hang around at this level longer than I need to. And also, you know, I just want to get away from the plus ones. You know, I've got a few old friends, uh, a few people who, you know, when I was doing this, said they would be there to support me. And I, I think, you know, it, it happens to every comic. You know, people have their own lives. You can't uh, count on that. And, you know, I went a bit over the top. I booked loads of gigs and then found that these people weren't coming so I've had to adapt and tweak, and I've been lucky that along the way I wouldn't have had the confidence 10 years ago to make these uh, new associations or, in the case of uh, one, a uh, friendship, and in the case of a couple, actually, uh, friendships, I'd say. And so that's been a positive, and they've been new people that have done what old friends haven't done. 
and not, you know these aren't necessarily people who are on the circuit themselves so that's been you know that's been a positive but at the same time I don't want to rely on these new people and I don't want those friendships to revolve around being my plus one you know I would rather those friendships just evolve into being normal friendships and if they ever want to come along to a gig great but it you know it's not going to be gig centric I need friends I need mourners at the funeral uh, Paul Bearers, all of that stuff. So, you know, it's it's kind of the comedy, the gigging works at that level too. But yeah, I'll swallow 10.52. I need to accept that I'm going to lose a lot of gigs if I keep staying at this uh, plus one level. Uh, gig 50 happens this week. And as I touched on on Friday, I've got to look back at the 50 gigs how many of those gigs were actually worth it? Well, most of them were worth it, but there were too many that weren't. And I want that valuable stage time. I want to learn from each gig. I want to progress. And at the moment, I'm, I'm doing too many nights, I think. So it's one great night and then a night where there's just a massive drop-off. And mentally, I find that uh, very difficult to do. And it's just disappointing uh, not not just you know that not just the difficulty of trying to get people to 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 come along but just in general the lack of support for live comedy and i think as I, as i've already said uh one of the comedians said yesterday there's just you know the it could be the energy crisis bills you know people don't have money but i still see people out but they just a lot of them are not coming to live comedy it's not they, the gigs aren't as filled as they were when i was doing this 10 years ago there's definitely a problem and i just think a general lack of interest uh, on the part of people who know my work you know that's that's a problem all across the board the podcast in the writing the stand-up that's just you know i don't have a high profile so i don't you know i've got no real pulling power and uh, gotta go on gotta be positive two gigs this week will take me yeah past the 50 and you know i'm just going to be more selective about uh, the night's I do. I'm pleased that, you know, I was. it was a 10-minute set yesterday and I was timing it over the weekend, realized I had to drop a fair few things and I just made ruthless decisions and, you know, got it in under 10. There was a gig last week, which I won't do again. This was on the Thursday night in North London where the uh, MC praised the fact that my set was dead on five minutes. Well, it is because I practice constantly, so I'm not surprised. I don't need a watch on stage, not yet anyway. Um, you know, you get uh, comedians going on there and setting their phones and, you know, so they have an idea where they are. But what I don't like is when comedians start saying from the stage, is that my time? Uh, you know, what am I on for? I had a bit of that last night. How long am I meant to be doing? You know, it's just, for me, it's kind of breaking the fourth wall a bit. You know, it's not a show. I've come to see a show, whether I'm performing or going there as an audience member usually as, as, as a performer if I'm going to be at a gig it's as a performer so I get the best of both worlds I learn about where my act is and I'm learning and, and you know uh, taking note of the other performers but when they start saying how long have I got blah 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 or looking at their hand you know with the notes I have to say I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of that that that's not uh, for me that's not something uh, I'll ever be doing i can say that uh confidently but yeah I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with the way i've now got the confidence to know to to work out like tomorrow it's five minutes so tomorrow i've just rehearsed uh, my five minute set one of my five minute sets and uh 
if anything needs to be tweaked or dropped, uh, I, I do it. I don't leave it in there as regardless of how funny it is because, you know, I've been told it's five minutes. Well, it's going to be five minutes. I'm going to show them I've got that discipline. I'm not going to let my ego uh, get away with me and, and stay on stage longer than I should be and, and mess things up for the next comic. Something that I've got, I'll swallow 1055, a bit of a bugbear with some MCs. You know, I think MCs really, it's their hosts, you know, there's only one of them I've seen who functions as well on his nights as an act, and he's actually brilliant, and he's the one MC that I really look forward to watching. But the others, I think they tend to slow things down a bit, and, you know, they, 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 it'll be a long night, and really they should keep things ticking over so we can all get home at a decent time. But if it's a really good night, then they end up staying on stage longer and feeding their egos as well, and, you know, the acts, it just it does become... A test of endurance. This week's gigs anyway. Let me give you that. I've got a night off this week, thankfully. Tomorrow, though, I'm doing a whole lot of comedy. That's at uh, 8pm. That's in Peckham. Fairly local to me, SE15. Let me give you the address for that. That's at John the Unicorn. That's a, I think that's a pub, 157 to 159 Rye Lane, SE15. Just, I've been posting uh, details on uh, on all the social media, so get down to that. Free entry, I know you like your free stuff. You know, get on down there, support some uh, free comedy. And on Wednesday night, I'm actually, I need a plus one for this, so that's going to be a pain. I'm in uh, Soho. I'm I'm doing a spot at the Soho Comedy Factory. That's another five. That's Wednesday the 18th. Uh, That's at the Blue Posts, uh, 22 Berwick Street, W1F. And again, free entry. That starts at 7.30 p.m. If you're able to make that, just uh, DM me. Thursday night, I'm a plus one for a comedian uh, at the Clapham venue where I caught uh, covid and on Friday, I'm at T-Bird in Finsbury Park, N4. That's probably a 7.30 or 8 p.m. start. Look out uh, for, for posts and links to that. That's uh, T-Bird. That's 132 Blackstock Road, N4. That's going to be another long-ass journey. But, uh, you know, do come to some of those gigs if you want to support live comedy. There'll be uh, other good acts on. It's not just about me. There'll be plenty of other good acts on. Episode 391, Daniel Ruiz Tyson, is available. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at 1607 facebook.com forward slash DRT available. DanielRuizTyson.com for all my work. There's the Patreon page that keeps this show alive, patreon.com forward slash DRT available. You've, of course, also got the Facebook comedy page, which is actually uh, finally a a personal page, my first ever uh, personal FB page. Well, not my first ever, but originally, you know the story, I I converted mine when it was quite common to do that uh, in the early noughties to a, a group page and, you know, Facebook cracked down on those, so... It doesn't really function as it should. I find it very hard to control that page. Uh, I can only use uh, access it via the phone. But uh, I do have the Facebook comedy page if you want to add yourself there, facebook.com. Uh, That's at DRT Comedy. And uh, yeah, you've got the Patreon page. That's patreon.com forward slash DRT available. Appreciate those of you who continue to support the podcast. I'm doing that thing now where I check. I normally check every Monday to see if I've lost any more uh, supporters. Uh, Not at the moment. That's unusual. 
And uh, you can also support the work, of course, via PayPal and coffee.com links on the website, DanielRuizTyson.com. Uh, moving on, uh, reading uh, the Sherlock Holmes book I told you about, Master of Lies. Who's the author there? I'll have to check again. Philip, I think it's Philip Purser Howard. I'm going to check. It's one of those books. I'm, I'm finally getting into it after 100 pages, but all too often with books, I'm sometimes because I'm so unfocused and so tired. Often with books, I'm just not getting into them. That you know, I'm finishing the books and I don't have a clue what happened. Right. Let me just uh, confirm who was the author of this. Okay, yeah, Philip Purser, Hallard, Masters of Lies. It's it's a decent book. I've probably, you know, I've probably not uh, given it a, a chance, but I'm getting into it now, but getting into it a bit late. I've only got about half the book left. Just had an email, gig reminder this Wednesday. Okay, the Soho Comedy Factory, the Blue Posts, make your way upstairs, check in with your MC. You can bring as many friends as you want. The more, the merrier. Don't expect that from me. I'm, I'm having difficulties, uh, difficulties just getting one friend in. And uh, friends are able to enter for free. Okay, 22 Berwick Street, W1F. So that's uh, that's Wednesday. Soho uh, Comedy. Uh, sporting Injuries. I was talking about my fantasy Sporting Injuries last week episode 391 didn't get any back from yourselves uh, which i expected if you do uh, change your mind drt available at uh, westegg1607.co.uk the hamstring i think that might be a more painful injury than the dislocated shoulder you know i've had problems with the shoulder one of my shoulders my left shoulder in the past not quite brian robson uh, levels but you know problematic the hamstring i've only ever done once back in 98 milk that for all it was worth because it's a very dramatic injury although mine was you know it wasn't a bad one but it was just playing football i hadn't warmed up properly and the hamstring went after i scored a brilliant left-footed goal and uh yeah had to hobble home i remember that and that was me done for for a while but what i like about the hamstring injury is when it happens in a sporting context the reaction of the sports person, it's as if they've been shot. And I'm going to give you two examples. One is very obscure. Michael Thomas, the former Arsenal and Liverpool player, to this day, the strangest transfer I've ever seen. Not, you know, he turned out to be a good signing for Liverpool, but it was a strange one because obviously he'd scored one of the most famous goals in English football history to finish off Liverpool in the 89 title race. And two and a half years later, he's turning up at Anfield. That was a really, really strange one. He was one of the most graceful runners I've ever seen. If you go on YouTube and you just watch Michael Thomas playing football, seriously, he, you know, you get players like Robert Perez who glided across the pitch. He was absolutely beautiful to watch. Alonso, the old Spanish footballer in his uh, Ponzi white boots, one of the early adopters of white boots before they became a massive thing again in the late 90s, early noughties. I've always liked those players. Uh, Wijnaldum or Wijnaldum, Wijnaldum at Liverpool, now at PSG, made the wrong move last year. Liverpool have missed him because uh, the defence this season has been uh, very erratic, that Liverpool defence, and I think it's cost them the title and uh, losing Wijnaldum. Wijnaldum, urinal, 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 urinal. Wijnaldum, they've missed him, but he is another of those footballers who looks like he just skates across the grass. I love that. I love that look. Michael Thomas was one of those. This hamstring injury, he'd moved to Liverpool by then, but I can't remember 
when it happened. It was a televised game. And uh, he was doing one of those brilliant runs that he would do, breaking from midfield. On this occasion, he had the ball and suddenly he just pulled up really dramatically, clutched the back of his uh, leg. The hamstring had snapped. Does that thing where he doesn't stop right away. So he's, he's, he's going at full pelt. The hamstring goes and he's still going, but he's slowing down. He's, his face, he's got that look of anguish. He's grimacing. He's got his hand on the back of the, uh, on the back of the leg. The hamstring is gone. And then you drop to the pitch. You look disappointed. You shake your head. And uh, in those days, it would have just been Ronnie Moran coming on, I think, with a sponge. That was the extent. No, it was Phil Borsmer uh, by then. Uh, the guy Sooners brought with him from Glasgow Rangers, a former Liverpool player, played with Sooners at Middlesbrough. How about that for detail? Why don't I do a retro football show? That would be uh, that would be brilliant. There's no chance of that idea ever failing, is there? So that was my first one, Michael Thomas. Can't remember against who it was, but it was just... Uh, yeah, I, you know, I thought, oof, I'm not sure about the pain, but that is a dramatic injury. That's certainly one that I, I think I would relish the attention you get from that. And these are, these are injuries that you could, that, that would work well with a sporting montage and, you know, some very lacrimose tune playing and the nation watching as one. The other one, of course, uh, Derek Redmond, the 92 Olympics. I can't remember what event this was. He was a sprinter, wasn't he? It wasn't the final. I think it was the semi-finals of the Barcelona Olympics. I checked this earlier. I've now forgotten the information, so I'm having to go in there again. And of course, he was uh, taken around the track by his dad. It was very moving. He was crying. I mean, it, that was the hamstring that had snapped. He tried to continue. In fact, I, did, I think he did finish. He was uh, it was a 400-meter runner, this 400-meter uh, runner. Okay, so he'd won a few golds, silvers in the uh, Commonwealth, in the relays, the World Championships. Uh, I remember he was part of the 91 World Championships, uh, the British team that shocked the world by beating the uh, Americans into second place. Oh, no, yeah, they won the gold medal in that one. That was it. The Americans finished second. That was the 4 by 400 metres relay. Um, Injuries were a constant problem. I'm here on his uh, Wikipedia page. Okay, here we go. So he uh, he posted the fastest time of the first round, went on to win his quarterfinal. Trying to see what the event was. I can't see what it was. I Yeah, this wasn't a relay. So he was uh, 250 metres from the finish. The hamstring tore, hobbled to a halt, then fell to the ground in pain. The stretcher bearers come over, but uh, Redmond, he decides that he wants to finish the race. He begins to hobble. He's struggling. He's joined on the track by his dad, Jim, uh, who barges famously past security to to help his son, and they complete the lap together with uh, Derek Redmond leaning on his father's uh, shoulder for support. And, you know, the crowd, uh, 65,000, rise to give him a standing ovation. He was disqualified officially because his father had helped him and the Olympic records uh, churlishly uh, state he did not finish the race. But it was a beautiful moment. It's the ultimate, one of the ultimate, I think, sporting injury montages. It's even now, what, 30 years on? You can't fail to be moved by that. And there was uh, the IOC's uh, Celebrate Humanity videos proclaimed of his 92 Injury, strength is measured in pounds, speed is measured in seconds, courage, you can't measure courage, 
Absolutely. And the courage I'm displaying living in this mouse-infested property, I can absolutely relate to that. If you've got a sporting fantasy injury that you would love to experience, get in touch. DRT available at westegg1607.co.uk. Fantasy sporting injury in the subject header. Come on, I can't be the only one who fantasizes uh, about this stuff. Uh, Nectar points update. Slight. uh, I was in Sainsbury's on Friday. Uh, but uh, there have been some eBay activity since the 13th. I picked up 12 eBay uh, points. Uh, so I've got uh, £2.32 to spend. I'm on 465 points. Uh, sold a Serpico DVD as well for uh, £3, free postage uh, for the buyer. But uh, luckily I had a second-class stamp that I was able to peel off another letter and I've glued it on so I don't have to pay for the postage. That's going out uh, today and yeah so 465 points that's that equates to two pounds 32 and star wars football let me uh i'll swallow coming up 1109 hours you know one of the reasons i do the show now like this at the moment it's not super polished it's um you know, down to time, lack of time since I started gigging. But also, I had to find a way of just making it more interesting for myself. You know, I, the problem with podcasting is you just don't feel like you're connecting with the audience. So by doing a show as if it's live on the radio, I, I think it works out better for me. I was too busy over the weekend, either sleeping or heading out for the cup final or preparing for, for last night's uh, last night's gig. Champions League uh, Week 3, Group 1. Uh, Moz Isley won, Besbin nil. So Moz Isley leap over Besbin into third place. Um, Besbin are in a bit of trouble in this group, as they were on their previous Champions League uh, uh, journey back. Yeah, journey, don't say journey. It's not a, it's not a talent show. Their previous uh, foray in the Champions League, they reached the final, yeah, the final in Silver Age season four. But they were, you know, they they, they scraped through into the semi-finals with a dramatic one-nil win at Neighbours' uh, death. Stars Moz Eisley won by a goal to. To nil, so uh, much for Besbin to do. They lost Luke Skywalker on the eve of the match. I had to glue his head, which had uh, come loose. That's my oldest uh, Star Wars action figure, preceded by Chewbacca, but that was a swap in the school playground. But Luke Skywalker, original Luke, uh, that was my first one that I ever bought from Bon Marsh. So I had to glue his arm and uh, his neck, and he's been the form player for Besbin, so they were always. Uh, gonna miss him not much news to report from the cafe i should be there in a couple of hours hopefully gonna have to walk there today but i uh, welcome the exercise then go for a run in the evening and it looks like that is it that is the end of today's show uh, look out for bonus content this week on the patreon if i have time i've, I've got a full-on week loads of housing related and uh, rodent related crap to tackle so i can't make any promises there were four shows last week if uh Regular listeners want to get hold of episodes 388 and 389. They were Patreon-specific episodes. Make uh, either sign up at patreon.com forward slash DRT available or visit Latest News under, uh, at Latest News. Let me see if I get that right. At com. Scroll down and you'll see links for those two episodes. A one-off donation. We'll get those two episodes we transferred to you. Of course, the download links are only available for seven days. I can't control that, so make sure you download them before they 
laps. Now it's time for you to get those shoulders back. Keep on walking towards the sun. I'm Daniel Ruiz Dyson, and this start of the week, I have been available. Available.